Are you ready to transform your life with the power of gratitude? Look no further than 21 Days of Thankfulness, the must-have book written by gratitude expert, Lawanta Christina. This book is packed with daily prompts, exercises, and inspiring quotes to help you cultivate a mindset of gratitude and positivity. With 21 Days of Thankfulness, you'll learn how to focus on the good in your life and you'll start seeing incredible results in just three short weeks. Luanza Christina has helped countless people transform their lives with her proven techniques, and now you can experience the same life-changing benefits. If you're ready to take your gratitude practice to the next level, head over to Amazon now and get your copy of 21 Days of Thankfulness. Don't wait. Start living your best life today. Thank you all for listening to Talks with the Gratitude Chick. Remember, gratitude is the key to a happier life. Until next time, stay grateful and keep thriving. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talks with the Gratitude Chick. I am your host, Luanza Christina, a.k.a. The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms at The Gratitude Chick for TikTok and Instagram, The Gratitude Chick 2, that's T-O-O, for Facebook, and join my Facebook group, The Magic of Gratitude. Start your gratitude journey today with 21 Days of Thankfulness available now on Amazon. and welcome back to another episode of your reading corner with the gratitude chick so today we are um going back into i wanted to say the science of getting rich but it's think and grow rich think and grow rich and we are starting with chapter one the first episode was the introduction today we are starting with chapter one and it is called desire now Just as a reminder, you guys know I do read with my own commentary that you don't have to agree with. This is just my opinion on what it is that I am reading. Okay, so desire. The starting point of all achievement. The first step toward riches. When Edwin C. Barnes climbed down from the freight train in Orange, New Jersey, more than 30 years ago, he may have resembled a tramp but his thoughts were those of a king. As he made his way from the railroad tracks to Thomas A. Edison's office, his mind was at work. He saw himself standing in Edison's presence. He heard himself asking Mr. Edison for an opportunity to carry out the one consuming obsession of his life, a burning desire to become the business associate of the great inventor. Barnes' desire was not a hope, it was not a wish, it was a keen, pulsating desire which transcended everything else. It was definite. The desire was not new when he approached Edison. It had been Barnes's uh, dominating desire for a long time. In the beginning, when the desire first appeared in his mind, it may have been, probably was, only a wish. But it was no mere wish when he appeared before Edison with it. A few years later, Edwin C. Barnes again stood before Edison in the same office where he first met the inventor. This time his desire had been translated into reality. He was in business with Edison. The dominating dream of his life had become a reality. Today, people who know Barnes envy him because of the break life yielded him. They see him in the days of his triumph without taking the trouble to investigate the cause of his success. Now, I want to pause here because this tends to be the truth even in our days, especially on social media. We tend to see people after they've gone through all of the trials and tribulations to get them to where they are. And we have that spirit of envy in us because we want to be at their 10 without ever going through steps one through nine. And I find I have found that true for myself. Um, like I, I've told you guys before, 
I've had an issue with Jeff Bezos. Not because, you know, all of what he's accomplished, but it's just because, sir, why do you have so much money? Like, that... It's really petty. I'm not even going to say it's not. I know this about myself. But, you know, just hearing when he got divorced and then he turned around and doubled that money again, it was just, it had really pissed me off. So it wasn't that kind of envy. It was just like, you know, when I think of me as a person, if I had that kind of money and I had made it back several times, I personally, I'm one person, even if I have multiple children they're only one person there's no time in life where they would spend that much money so in my estimation as myself I would just give this money to away to so many projects you know that's just how I think because I don't have this money so like again like I said it is very it is something that happens a lot even now especially with social media Social media has you looking at celebrities and thinking they have such great lives when, you know, we know from the past that a lot of celebrities try to kill themselves or or do end up killing themselves or, you know, have drug addictions and things like that because they are unhappy. And that's how they coined the phrase, money um, does not bring you happiness. And it doesn't bring happiness to people who are not happy before they get it. So, anyway, Barnes succeeded because he chose a definite goal, placed all his energy, all his willpower, all his effort, everything back of that goal. Okay, he did not become the partner of Edison the day he arrived. He was content to start in the most menial work, as long as it provided an opportunity to take even one step toward his cherished goal. Five years passed before the chance he had been seeking made its appearance. During all those years, not one ray of hope, not one promise of attainment of his desire had been held out to him. To everyone except himself, he appeared only another cog in the Edison business wheel. But in his own mind, he was the partner of Edison every minute of the time from the very day that that he first went to work there. Now, I do want to say this. While this says it took five years and it it says five long years, to me, that's a very short time frame for it to go from, for you to go from just, you know, kind of walking in, doing menial jobs to becoming the partner of Thomas Edison. Five years. And it's just simply because like he said, every minute of the of every day, in his own mind, he was already the partner of Edison. How many times have we worked in corporate America and we have said, you know, negative things or talked down on our positions or on the money that we make instead of putting in our minds what it is that we want to do, holding that thought, holding that that picture and working towards it every single day we don't do that and that's why it takes you years to advance or in some people some people don't advance they end up getting fired because they talk themselves out of that job or they end up advancing one or two steps instead of going all the way and this guy this guy took him five years to achieve his goal five years is not a lot of time And that's all I wanted to say on that. It is a remarkable illustration of the power of a definite desire. Barnes won his goal because he wanted to be a business associate of Mr. Edison more than he wanted anything else. He created a plan by which to attain that purpose, but he burned all bridges behind him. He stood by his desire until it became the dominating obsession of his life and finally a fact. And even in, in, in corporate America, nobody does this. Not Nobody I know does this. A lot of times you take jobs because you need a job to pay your bills, right? You're not going after the job that you want with all your might. I advanced to a pretty high position in corporate America, not because I actually wanted you know, like this was not the career I had in mind, but I ended up working at a place where I actually liked what I did, which is how I ended up advancing. 
or else I would never have advanced if I didn't like what I did. And I also, every single day, I practiced gratitude and I was thankful for my job every single day, except for the year that I got laid off. That year, I hated that job. It had We had gone through so many mergers that it had become so big that I hated the job. I hated the people I worked with. I hated, hated, hated. And I affirmed every day that I hated this job. So it was no wonder that I talked myself out of that job that year. Because why do you... Why would God, why would the universe allow you to continue to keep something that you are affirming every day that you hate? God loves you and wants you to have the desires of your heart. That job was not the desire of my heart. So it was no wonder and no surprise when I I was laid off from that job. Now, I did have a, a great parachute plan, you know, when I was laid off. I had a great severance package. But I was still laid off from that job. So <clears throat> this my, my entire point is that when you are going into mo- most people, when they're going into most jobs, it is a job. It is just a job. You're accepting a position because you have to pay your bills. There are so many people who are going into these positions and this is what they want to do for their life. Awesome. Fantastic. It's going to be greater for you. But my advice to people who are going into positions that you really don't want, either figure out a way to want the job that you have or find another job. Because all you're going to do is going to be just like a turnover, turnover for you. Because the more you you affirm to yourself that you hate this job, the more of those jobs you will lose. Okay, back to reading. When he went to Orange, he did not say to himself, I will try to induce Edison to give me a job of some soft. He said, I will see Edison and put him on notice that I have come to go into business with him. He did not say, I will work there for a few months. And if I get no encouragement, I will quit and get a job somewhere else. He did say, I will start anywhere. I will do anything Edison tells me to do. But before I am through, I will be his associate. You see the difference? He did not say, I will keep my eyes open for another opportunity in case I fail to get what I want in the Edison organization. He said, there is but one thing in this world that I am determined to have, and that is a business association with Thomas A. Edison. I will burn all bridges behind me and stake my entire future on my ability to get what I want. How many people do this? How many people burn the bridges that, you know, could be, you know, their landing pad if plan A does not go through? Many people have plan A, B, or C, you know? This guy said, this is it. This is this is it for me. I have plan A. And I think that may be why it only took him five years to get to plan A, to get plan A to be successful, because he put all of his eggs in this one basket, and he went after this with all his might, and he believed in his ability to achieve the goal he set for himself. So many times we hear, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, what else? Uh, you guys know what I'm trying to say. But we, we hear all of those negative things and we take it as, you know, lessons. Yeah, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Always have an alternate plan. You know, we take these and take it as strong advice when in reality, if you believe in yourself and your ability to be all that you can be, why wouldn't you put all your eggs in the basket of your choice? Why would your second choice be okay if you don't get your first choice? And why wouldn't you get your first choice if you believe with all your heart and you affirm and affirm and affirm? By the laws of the universe, you should get plan A because you have put everything into plan A. So plan A will come to fruition. It is when you have alternate options and your eggs scattered around in many baskets that you don't get plan A. But you're okay with that because you have already put it in your mind before going after plan A that 
it's okay if you don't get plan A because you have plan B and C as well. And that is what makes it okay for you if you don't get plan A. And that is the difference in this guy and pretty much everyone else out here. And it's probably the difference in the 99% and the 1%. Look at, look at, look at someone and, you know, whatever, okay? Look at Trump, okay? Let's, let's just look at Trump. I am not a fan of Trump. I did not vote for him and I would never vote for him. But let's look at this man. Everything that he has said, you know, the, the rude, the misogynistic things, the racist things that he said. This man went after being the president with everything that was in him. He knew his target demographic. He knew that he he could unleash these things to these people because these are things that these people think and have always wanted to say. And they love the idea of having a president that allows them to say these things. They love that. These MAGA people, they love that. So he found his target demographic. He made fun of his target demographic by saying things like, I could go out and kill a bunch of people and I'd still get off if they was on the jury and stuff like that. This is the kind of person he is. And these people love him and they made him president. So my my entire point for bringing Trump up is not that he is the greatest person. In my in my own eyes, he's a terrible human being. But if there are people out here who loved him enough to get on his bandwagon and make him, and make his goals come true. And all he had to do is sell himself to the people who needed who wanted that type of person as president and it's the same way with him Trump did not say you know if if I'm not president um if I don't win the nomination I'm gonna do this or whatever he said if he didn't if he didn't run as a Republican he'd run on a different ticket Either way, he was going to run for president. Either way, he was going to run for president. Because what he knew is that there was an opportunity with this section of people who did not appreciate that there was a black president for eight years. These people right here, these are the people he talked to. And these are the people who were ripe and primed and ready for President Trump to be president. So to me, that is the difference in people who have only a plan A and then those who scatter everything around with different plans okay it says he left himself no possible way of retreat he had to win or perish that is all there is to the barn story of success a long while ago a great warrior faced a situation which made it necessary for him to make a decision which ensured his success on the battlefield he was about to send his armies against a powerful foe whose men outnumbered his own. He loaded his soldiers into boats, sailed to the enemy's country, unloaded his soldiers and equipment, then gave the order to burn the ships that had carried them. Addressing his men first, before the battle first, he said, you see the boats going up in smoke. That means we cannot leave these shores alive unless we win. We now have no choice. We win or we perish. They won. Every person who wins in any undertaking must be willing to burn his ships and cut out all sources of retreat. Only by so doing can one be sure of maintaining the state of mind known as a burning desire to win essential to to success. So what this is speaking to me about is that I have had my, my foot, my two feet in two different paths. For the past probably year and a half one my left foot has been on this path of being an author you know being a podcast host being this social media darling or whatever not like an influencer because no thank you but I I love the idea of putting my thoughts on social media and people who follow me getting inspiration from those thoughts or finding other people on social media who don't have a platform 
giving them voice by putting their thoughts out and tagging them in the post. I love that idea. And I do that every day on TikTok. I do it on YouTube. I do it. I'm excuse me, not YouTube. TikTok, um, Facebook, and Instagram is what I do that on. And I love that the idea of doing that and being a podcast host and being an author. I love these three things. And this is what I want to do. But because there isn't, the money isn't there yet, my right foot is in corporate America. So I've gotten to the point where I feel like I have to start, I have to go back to corporate America because, you know, you save money for this and then the money is starting to dwindle. So I have a mortgage, I have bills, so I have to go back to corporate America. That's where I'm at today. And I don't want to go back to corporate America. I want to persist and be consistent in my goal. And that's why I haven't really been recording because I am being pulled back to corporate America specifically because of the, the um, you know, I have to pay bills. I, I can't keep just living off of my savings and in a minute my savings is going to run out so it's 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 kind of a push and pull for me but this is basically telling me that I have to let go of corporate America and just either go after this and and just have a the mentality that I'm either going to win at what I want or I'm going to lose everything and that is a harsh that's, that's very harsh for me that is a harsh undertaking. Um, I love my house. <laughs> it's a harsh undertaking. I, I don't know. <sighs> but this is really, it, that's what this is really saying to me. It's saying every person who wins in any undertaking must be willing to burn his ships and cut out all sources of retreat. My retreat is going back to, to corporate America. That is me waving the white flag saying, oh, well, because once I go back to corporate America and give my employer 40 to 50 hours a week, I am not going to have the time or the energy to create. I'm not going to want to post. I am not going to I have a blog now. You know, I have a blog now. I have I am doing so many things on the internet to get my, 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 you know, the gratitude chick out there, get my podcast out there, get my books out there. I'm not going to have the time to do any of that if I now have to devote 40 to 50 hours per week or more to building this person's dream. This person already said, I'm going after my dreams with all I have. And now they're at the point where they can employ people and pay them six figures to make sure that their dream continues. And while six figures, yes, it's it's a nice income, especially for a single person like me, it's not what I want. It's not the avenue I want to make that money. I want to be able to do this on my own terms, work hard for my own business. So this is really, is really telling me to, to, you know, forgive my language to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> That's literally what it's saying. So I'm going to read it again. Every person who wins in any undertaking must be willing to burn his ships and cut out all sources of retreat. Only by so doing can one be sure of maintaining that state of mind knowing, excuse me, state of mind known as a burning desire to win essential to success. The morning after the great Chicago fire, a group of merchants stood on State Street looking at the smoking remains of what had been their stores. They had went into a conference to decide if they would try to rebuild or leave Chicago and start over in a more promising section of the country. This fire was well over 100 years ago. They reached a decision, all except one, to leave Chicago. The merchant who decided to stay and rebuild pointed a finger at the remains of his store and said, Gentlemen, on that very spot I will build the world's greatest store, no matter how many times it may burn down. That was more than 50 years ago. Again, 50 years by this book, more than 100 by by our date. The store was built, it stands there today, a towering monument to the power of that state of mind known as a burning desire. 
the easy thing for Marshall Hill to have done would have been exactly what his fellow merchants did. Now, I just want to say I'm from Chicago. Marshall Fields was probably one of the greatest, most elegant stores in Chicago. We used to go downtown to Marshall Fields because it was the flagship store. um, And we used to go down there, you know, shop with my grandmother. We would have lunch there. And that's the first time I ever... Um, tasted those Andes candies because they would give you that after your meal and it was just it's going there especially during Christmas time and seeing you know the store window it was just I loved the Marshall Fields sadly the store is still there it still has the Marshall Fields on the side but you know Marshall Fields sold to Macy's so it's now Macy's but I grew up with Marshall Fields, so definitely this man did right when he rebuilt that store because that store still stands today in 2023 with his deal with his um, the green plaques on the side that say Marshall Fields. Okay, when the going was hard and the future looked dismal, they pulled up and went where the going seemed easier. Mark well this difference between Marshall Field and the other merchants. Because it is the same difference which distinguishes Edwin C. Barnes from thousands of other young men who have worked in the Edison organization. It is the same difference which distinguishes practically all who succeed from those who fail. Every human being who reaches the age of understanding of the purpose of money wishes for it. Wishing will not bring riches. Wishing will not bring riches. But desiring riches with a state of mind that becomes an obsession, then planning definite ways and means to acquire acquire riches and backing those plans with persistence, which does not recognize failure, will bring riches. And what I have learned recently is that persistence and consistency go hand in hand. You cannot persist without being consistent. So what I am going to also advise that you do as you go for your dreams and reach and plan and go hard for yourself, be consistent. My area of consistency this year is persisting and being consistent with my morning routine. My morning routine consists of prayer. It consists of me writing my gratitude, my, you know, counting my blessings every day. It consists of me saying my affirmations. I have three. Um, One is my own personal affirmation, and then I have two others that are just kind of like a general affirmation. Um, What else? I, I have not been consistent in this, and I'm trying to be consistent in this, but it is, I, you guys know, I told you that I joined the Mind Valley team, and um, being consistent with, you know, watching those um they call them what do they call them quests that's what they call them I'm on two different quests right now but I have not done them in a week so it is you know this is part of my morning routine now so my goal is being persistent and consistent with my morning routine because to me my morning routine is going to set me up for success because my morning routine is all about transforming my mindset and in order for me to persist in the goals that I have for myself and believing that I can be all that I can be with this because listen when I'm in corporate America I believe strongly in my ability to excel in corporate America that is how I made it to be a senior risk manager in fintech because I believed in my abilities to succeed and know and you know execute that is how I got there but I need to somehow transfer transfer that ability that I have working for someone else to my ability here working for myself now I believe in my ability of speaking and you know saying things that um, resonate with people I believe in my ability to write things that resonate with people I believe in that however it, there is um, has been a missing component that has not allowed me the same level of, of success working for myself that working for corporate America has given me 
So that is has been a disconnect that I am trying to iron out. Because I feel like it's just that one thread. You know, when you're trying to untangle something and you finally find that one thread and as soon as you pull it, everything untangles. I'm just looking for that one thread. And as soon as I find it and pull it, I think everything will come into fruition. So being consistent and being persistent, those are the two that you must, must have together. They go together like white on rice or I don't know, peanut butter and whatever you put peanut butter with. Okay, the method by which desire for riches can be transmuted into its financial equivalent consists of six definite practical steps. First, fix in your mind the exact amount of money you desire. It is not sufficient merely to say, I want plenty of money. Be definite as to the amount. There is a psychological reason for definiteness, which will be described in a subsequent chapter. So for me, I have a a defined amount of money that I wrote in. um, I'm doing this 30-day gratitude letters, and I have like six different areas in the gratitude letter, and one of those is a monthly income. And, And to be honest, I need to be more concise with that because I only have it in one area. When I have my hands out in other areas, but I only have this out here in one area. So I definitely need to broaden it. But I do have an amount that I've already written down and I repeat morning and night. That is part of my morning routine and it is part of my nighttime routine. And again, my nighttime routine is really just prayer, um, doing my gratitude letters, um, and, and a little, my affirmations and a little meditating. It's not anything, um, big. Okay. Second, determine exactly what you intend to give in return for the money you desire. There is no such reality as something for nothing. So what do you intend to give for the money you desire? So for me, I have set intentions for the money that I am receiving. I intend to give 10% to charity. I intend to give 5%, you know, to my church. I intend, or to not to my church, because I'm not a part of a church, but to a church, because anyway, whatever my reasons are, doesn't matter. But that is what I intend to give. So that's 15% of my income. I intend to um, be a good steward over the money that I'm given. I intend to pay off all my bills. I intend to live debt free and to live within my means. I int- these are things that I am intending to do. So make sure that you set your intentions for the money that you want. And when you write down what it is that you want monthly, um, what you can do is you know do a, a kind of a, a pie chart and put in there the percentage of each money that you intend, each amount of money that you intend each month. So I don't do yearly. I always ask for monthly income. And this is how you set your intentions for the money that you're asking for. If you're asking for $100,000 and you just want $100,000, set why you want $100,000. Is part of it for you to travel? Is part of it for you to pay off this? Um, You know, what is it that you want this money for? You you know what I mean? Set your intentions for for whatever it is that you're asking for is my just long way of saying it. <laughs> okay. Second. Okay. I re- we already did second. Third, establish a definite date when you intend to possess the money you desire. Now that I have not done because I didn't know I should do that. So mine just says monthly income. So monthly income, if I'm thinking of it now, it could be monthly income 20 years from now. This thing is correct. I need to go rewrite. <laughs> okay. Fourth, Create a definite plan for carrying out your desire and begin at once, whether you are ready or not to put this plan into action. Okay, so a a definite plan for carrying out my desire would be for me to continue to create. And because my plan is to make this amount of money with my books, my, my journals, my podcast, my social media. That is my plan. This is my desire to make my income from these things that I love to do. And like Steve Harvey says, find something that you love to do and figure out how to make money from it. 
So this is my desire. This is what I want to do and create a definite plan. So when I'm done with this recording, I'm going to sit down, make a definite plan to, you know, make this the money that I want per month. And then I have to decide, I have to rewrite everything that I've written because now I have to have a date and I have to have that, make that date May, 2023, because I'm not going to say June, July, August. I want this now. I may not be here June, July, or August. So today I'm here today. So I want this now. I'm not even going to say May 2023. I'm going to say today's what? May 3rd? May 3rd. Today, ma'am. I want this now. (laughs) Okay. Fifth, write out a clear, concise statement of the amount of money you intend to, to acquire. Name the time limit for its acquisition. State what you intend to give in return for the money and describe clearly the plan which you intend to accumulate it. So this is basically everything he said bound up into one clear and concise statement. I'll read it again. Write out a clear and concise statement of the amount of money you intend to acquire. Name the time limit for its acquisition. State what you intend to give in return for the money and describe clearly the plan which you intend to accumulate it. Very clear instructions, very clear instructions. Okay, six, read your written statement aloud twice daily, once just before retiring at night and once after arising in the morning. As you read, see and feel and believe yourself already in possession of the money. So I was mostly there um, because I do read the statement as part of my morning and nighttime routine. I just have to rewrite it and be more clear and concise. Okay, it is important that you follow the instructions described in these six steps. It is especially important that you observe and follow the instructions in the sixth paragraph. You may complain that it is impossible for you to see yourself in possession of money before you actually have it. Here is where a burning desire will come to to your aid. If you truly desire money so keenly that your desire is an obsession, you will have no difficulty in convincing yourself that you will acquire it. The object is to want money and to become so determined to have it that you convince yourself you will have it. Now also, um, I should have said this back then when I was reading it, but once you do all that he set out to do, write the statement and all that thing, Tie it all up with gratitude. Do not neglect adding the daily practice of gratitude to everything. My grandmother told me in all things give thanks. That is a paraphrase of a scripture in 1 Thessalonians. In all things give thanks. So make sure that in all of this writing, you do not neglect gratitude. Do not neglect gratitude. Mine is, although he says to write it as a statement, mine will be as a gratitude letter because I want to always say, I'm going to write it as if I've already received it. Feel the feeling of the wish fulfilled, that kind of thing. So I'm going to write it in the present tense that I've already received these things and I'm going to write it as a gratitude thank you letter to God. That is how I am doing mine. So, and I always, again, You can do it as he says, which mine is going to be the same. I'm just going to write it as a letter instead of as a statement. Okay. Only those who become money conscious ever accumulate great riches. Money consciousness means that the mind has become so thoroughly saturated with the desire for money that one can see oneself already in possession of it. To the uninitiated who has not been schooled in the working principles of the human mind, These instructions may appear impractical. It may be helpful to all who fail to recognize the soundness of the six steps to know that the information they convey was received from Andrew Carnegie, who began as an ordinary laborer in the steel mills, but managed, despite his humble beginning, to make these principles yield him a fortune of considerably more than $100 million. In today's money he's a billionaire many times over it may be a further help to know that the six steps here recommended were carefully scrutinized by the late thomas a edison who placed his stamp of approval upon them as being not only the steps essential for the accumulation of money but necessary for the attainment of any definite goal the steps call for no hard labor 
They call for no sacrifice. They do not require one to become ridiculous or credulous. To apply them calls for no great amount of education. But the successful application of these six steps does call for sufficient imagination to enable one to see and to understand that accumulation of money cannot be left to chance, good fortune, and luck. One must realize that all who have accumulated great fortunes first did a certain amount of dreaming, hoping, wishing, desiring, and planning before they acquired money. You may as well know right here that you can never have riches in great quantities unless you can work yourself into a white heat of desire for money and actually believe you will possess it. You may as well know also that every great leader from the dawn of civilization down to the present was a dreamer. Christianity is the greatest potential power in the world today because its founder was an intense dreamer who had the vision and the imagination to see realities in their mental and spiritual form before they had been transmuted into physical form. If you do not see great riches in your imagination, you will never see them in your bank balance. And this, I definitely believe is true because if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. Thoughts become things. That quote was from The Secret movie or book. I can't remember who wrote, who said it, but it's from The Secret. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to take credit for that. That wasn't me. Okay, never in the history of America has there been so great an opportunity for practical dreamers as now exists. The six-year economic collapse has reduced all men substantially to the same level. He's talking about the Great Depression. A new race is about to be run. The stakes represent huge fortunes which will be accumulated within the next 10 years. The rules of the race have changed because we now live in a changed world that definitely flavors favors how about that okay the masses those who have but little or no opportunity to win under the conditions existing during the depression when fear paralyzed growth and development we who are in this race for riches should be encouraged to know that this changed world in which we live is demanding new ideas new ways of doing things new leaders new inventions new methods of teaching new methods of marketing, new books, new literature, new features for the radio, new ideas for moving pictures. And he's talking about movies because, you know, back then they were just moving pictures. Back of all this demand for new and better things, there is one quality which one must possess to win, and that is definiteness of purpose, the knowledge of what one wants and a burning desire to possess it. The business depression marked the death of one age and the birth of another. This changed world requires practical dreamers who can and will put their dreams into action. The practical dreamers have always been and always will be the pattern makers of civilization. We who desire to accumulate riches should remember the real leaders of the world always have been men who harnessed and put into practical use the intangible unseen forces of unborn opportunity and have converted those forces or impulses of thought into skyscrapers, cities, factories, airplanes, automobiles, and every form of convenience that makes life more pleasant. And just because he said men, that's those were the times in which they lived. You you and I both know women are, you know, have great contributions in today's world. So, again, we are we know that he's speaking kind of a different language and time in some of these parts. So let's all just go on forward. Okay. Tolerance and an open mind are practical necessities of the dreamer of today. Those who are afraid of new ideas are doomed before they start. Never has there been a time more favorable to pioneers than the present. True, there is no wild and woolly West to be conquered as in the days of the covered wagon. But there is a vast business, financial, and industrial world to be remolded and redirected along new and better lines. In planning to acquire your share of the riches, let no one influence you to scorn the dreamer. To win the big stakes in this changed world, you must catch the spirit of the great pioneers 
of the past whose dreams have given to civilization all that it has of value. The spirit which serves as the lifeblood of our own country, your opportunity and mine to develop and market our talents. Let us not forget, okay, take this with a grain of salt here. Let us not forget Columbus dreamed of an unknown world, staked his life on the existence of such a world, and discovered it. No, he did not. And we're going to keep going. Copernicus, the great astronomer, dreamed of a multiplicity of worlds and revealed them. No one denounced him as impractical after he had triumphed. Instead, the world worshipped at his shrine, thus proving once more that success requires no apologies. Failure permits and no alibis. If the thing you wish to do is right and you believe in it, go ahead and do it. Put your dream across and never mind what they say. If you meet with opportunity, defeat. For they perhaps do not know that every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent success. Henry Ford, poor and uneducated, dreamed of a horseless carriage went to work with what tools he possessed without waiting for opportunity to favor him. And now evidence of his dream belts the entire earth. He has put more wills into operation than any man who ever lived because he was not afraid to back his dreams. Thomas Edison dreamed of a lamp that could be operated by electricity, began where he stood to put his dream into action. And despite more than 10,000 failures, Wow, that's called persistence. 10,000, how do you even count 10,000? Come on. He stood by that dream until he made it a physical reality. Practical dreamers do not quit. That is not practical to continue after you failed 10,000 times. Is the number a reality or is it just something that they say as an exaggeration? Because 10,000 times, who continues after the first hundred times you know what I mean so what this that's not practical that is an impractical dreamer to me okay Waylon dreamed of a chain of cigar stores transformed his dream into action and now the United Cigar Stores occupy the best corners in America Lincoln dreamed of (laughs) of freedom for the black slaves put his dream into action and barely missed living to see a united north and south translate his dream into to reality please be for real sir let, 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 we're just gonna keep going the wright brothers dreamed of a machine i mean why does why, why do okay the wright brothers dreamed of a machine that would fly through the air now one may see evidence all over the world that they may dream that they dream soundly Marconi dreamed of a system for harnessing the intangible forces of the ether. Evidence that he did not dream in vain may be found in every wireless and radio in the world. Moreover, Marconi's dream brought the humblest cabin and the most stately manor house side by side. It made the people of every nation on earth backdoor neighbors. It gave the President of the United States a medium by which he may talk to all the people of America at one time and on short notice. It may interest you to know that Marconi's friends had him taken into custody and examined in a psychopathic hospital. Wow. When he announced he had discovered a principle through which he could send messages through the air without the aid of wires or other direct physical means of communication. The dreamers of today fare better. The world has become accustomed to new discoveries. Nay, it has shown a willingness to reward the dreamer who gives the world a new idea. The greatest achievement was at first and for a time but a dream. The oak sleeps in the acorn, the bird waits in the egg, and in the highest vision of the soul a waking angel stirs. Dreams are the seedlings of reality. That's dope. Dreams are the seedlings of reality. Awake, arise, and assert yourself, you dreamers of the world. Your star is now in the ascendancy. The world depression brought the opportunity you have been waiting for. It taught people humility, tolerance, and open-mindedness. Now, I don't know if it taught them that in in the 30s, let's be for real, because we did live through Jim Crow. 
But I will say with this pandemic, um, these past couple years, it did, you know, produce a lot of millionaires. A lot of people who, um, you know, couldn't work decided to open up their own companies and they've been, they've become millionaires. Um, I watch this girl, I don't watch this show anymore, but it's called Love and Marriage Huntsville. And one of the girls that was new back when I watched it a couple seasons ago, she started a beauty brand called Canvas Beauty during the pandemic. And now that brand is worth multiple million dollars because she went out, she said, this is what I have to do to feed my family because she was laid off of work. She started the brand and bam, today Canvas Beauty sells all over the world and it is worth a few million dollars. And it was worth a few million dollars before she landed on Love and Marriage Huntsville. She did, she became a multimillionaire within a year of opening this business. So I just wanted to put it in today's terms. The world is filled with an abundance of opportunity, which the dreamers of the past never knew. A burning to desire to be and to do is the starting point from which the dreamer must take off. Dreams are not born of indifference, laziness, or lack of ambition. The world no longer scoffs at the dreamer, nor calls him impractical. If you think it does, take a trip to Tennessee and witness what a dreamer president has done in the way of harnessing and using the great water power of America. A score of years ago, such a dream would have uh, seemed like madness. You have been disappointed. You have undergone defeat during the depression. You have felt the great heart within you crushed until it bled. Take courage for these experiences have tempered the spiritual metal of which you are made. They are assets of incomparable value. Remember too that all who succeed in life get off to a bad start and pass through many heartbreaking struggles before they arrive. The turning point in the lives of those who succeed usually comes at the moment of some crisis through which they are introduced to their other selves. John Bunyan wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, which is among the finest of all English literature after he had been confined in prison and sorely punished because of his views on the subject of religion. O. Henry discovered the genius which slept within his brain after he had met with great misfortune and was confined in a prison cell in Columbus, Ohio, being forced through misfortune to become acquainted with his other self and to use his imagination, he discovered himself to be a great author instead of a miserable criminal and outcast. Strange and varied are the ways of life, and stranger still are the ways of infinite intelligence, through which men are sometimes forced to undergo all sorts of punishment before discovering their own brains and their own capacity to create useful ideas through imagination. Now, this is not something for today. I mean, I don't know how available this information was to the people of this day to know how to even try to change their mindset to cultivate better experiences. In today's world, we have the ability at our fingertips to, you know, read and to gain this kind of knowledge, to go scroll on social media and be introduced to it, even if we've never heard it before. Right now, I'm recording on my iPad reading from my iPhone. You know what I mean? So all of these things are at our fingertips right now. So I don't want you guys to think because these people had to go through that to, you know, kind of be sat down and, you know, get this information that you have to as well. We have a better understanding nowadays just simply because we have more knowledge at our fingertips. Okay. Edison, the world's greatest inventor and scientist, was a tramp telegraph operator. He failed innumerable times. Why do you keep calling people a tramp? He failed innumerable times before he was driven finally to the discovery of the genius which slept within his brain. Charles Dickens began by, pa- by pasting labels on blacking pots. The tragedy of his first love penetrated the depths of his soul and converted him into one of the world's truly great authors. That tragedy produced first David Copperfield, then a succession of other works that made this a richer and better world for all who read his books. 
Disappointment over love affairs generally has the effect of driving men to drink and women to ruin. And this because most people never learn the art of transmuting their strongest emotions into dreams of a constructive nature. Helen Keller became deaf, dumb, and blind shortly after birth. Deaf, dumb, and blind? Wow. Despite her greatest misfortune, she has written her name indelibly in the pages of the history of the great. Her entire life has served as evidence that no one ever is defeated until defeat has been accepted as a reality. Robert Burns was an illiterate country lad. He was cursed by poverty and grew up to be a drunkard in the bargain. The world was made better for his having lived because he clothed beautiful thoughts in poetry and thereby plucked a thorn and planted a rose in its place. Booker T. Washington was born in slavery, handicapped by race and color because he was tolerant, had an open mind at all times on all subjects, and was a dreamer. He left his impress for good on an entire race. That's the only good thing he has said about black people since we started reading. Beethoven was deaf. Milton was blind, but their names will last as long as time endures because they dreamed and translated their dreams into organized thought. Before passing to the next chapter, kindle anew in your mind the fire of hope, faith, courage, and tolerance. If you have these states of mind and a working knowledge of the principles described, all else that you need will come to you when you are ready for it. Let Emerson state the thought in these words. Every proverb, every book, every byword that belongs to thee for aid and comfort shall surely come home through open or winding passages. Every friend whom not thy fantastic will, but the great and tender soul in thee craveth shall lock thee in his embrace. There's a difference between wishing for a thing and being ready to receive it which is why you have to make sure that you tell yourself that you are open and ready to receive. That is an affirmation that you have to put in your, you know, in your affirmation that you say every day. And I have one. It's called, it says, I am open and ready to receive all of the goodness God has stored for me. That is an affirmation that I say all day. Why? The purpose of affirmation is to affirm these things into your mind, to make it an assumption And that assumption becomes your belief, which becomes your reality. So you have to affirm every day that you are open and ready to receive. Okay, no one is ready for a thing until he believes he can acquire it. The state of mind must believe, not mere hope or wish. Open-mindedness is essential for belief. Closed minds do not inspire faith, courage, and belief. Just make sure that you tell yourself every day, all day long i am open and ready to receive affirmations are a must because they help solidify a belief that you need in your life it is and and, and again affirmations aren't just i am statements it's anything that you are affirming over and over and over again in your life that becomes your belief you can look around you right now the life that you are living is because of the beliefs that you have held And the beliefs that you have held are affirming statements that you have solidified in your mind as truth. So in order to change your mind and to change what you believe so that it becomes your reality, you have to change what you affirm every day. Fact. Okay, remember, no more effort is required to aim high in life, to demand abundance and prosperity than is required to accept misery and poverty. A great poet has correctly stated this universal truth through these lines. I bargained with life for a penny and life would pay no more. However, I begged at evening when I counted my scanty store. For life is a just employer. He gives you what you ask. But once you have set the wages, why you must bear the task. I worked for a menial's hire only to learn dismayed that any wage I had asked of life, life would have willingly paid. That is a great way to end this chapter. And it is so true. If you ask for a little, don't be complained when you get a little. If you know that if you ask for this little bit and you're going to get this little bit, 
Keep stretching. Keep stretching your beliefs. Your belief is a muscle. So if you ask for $100 and you receive that $100, next time ask for $200. And then keep going and going until you stretch your belief further and further and further. Remember, time is going to pass anyway. So get started now so that by the end of the year, your belief muscle has stretched even further than what you may have thought it could ever have stretched. Okay? Thank you guys so much for listening today to this episode. I hope that you guys are finding this book to be pretty good. It has some good knowledge, even though, you know, some of the things that I, I have a side eye about, but it has, it's given me some really good knowledge. It's knowledge I'm actually about to put into action right now. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life. I promise you, your life will change. Once you add the daily practice of gratitude, you guys have an awesomely blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talks with the Gratitude Chick. I am your host, Luanza Christina, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and give it five stars. If you have not already, Get your copy of my book, 21 Days of Thankfulness, available now on Amazon.